Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips, too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast, our listeners on our FM station in New York, and our two Philadelphia radio stations. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. Great show today. We'll start by talking to Pita Chip with their great locations in University City and Temple University. And then we will talk to Kate Fry from the Duparte House in Valley Forge, PA. And they're going to talk about their fantastic venue that has lots of great history. And then we will end this fantastic episode by talking to a friend of our show, Bill Beck from Beck's Cajun Cafe. Amorous Pollock, introduce your fabulous guest. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to Omar Al-Sadi, who is one of the co-owners of Pita Chip in Philadelphia. Omar, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin and Jean and Amherst. Thank you for this opportunity to talk about our uh, restaurant, Pita Chip. No problem. Thank you for uh, joining us. So, you know, everyone, everyone is excited. We all love food, you know, that's a big reason why you're on today and why everyone <laughs> tunes in. But with everything that that is plated, um, that comes out of a kitchen, that comes out of a restaurant, it starts with an origin story. And you were not originally from the U.S. You actually came from Damascus in Syria. So tell us a little bit about how that was growing up and, you know, how you got started with, you know, in being inspired to open up a restaurant, how you got inspired to cook? Well, I mean, I came in uh, in 1979. Uh, uh, it's, it's almost 40, 40 plus years. And uh, by the end of December uh, 1979, I, I had a typical childhood in Syria. Uh, my parents were actors and they loved to cook, especially my mom. So we... Both of them worked, and uh, everybody in the house pitched in, as, you know, with cooking, and we made everything. I mean, my mother, uh, from tomato sauce to ketchup to canning, she she we did everything in the house, and it was uh, was a, usually you had to pitch in. So I I was involved. I, was, I mean, I I loved cooking since I was a little kid, and I came here and studied uh, civil and environmental engineering, and I worked in that field, and I worked in in other other things, but I never had the guts to open my own restaurant. And one day in 2014, in July 2014, said, that's it, I'm gonna try it. And I wasn't brave enough to uh, start from scratch. I went the franchise route. So after we uh, 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 signed up with a, a franchise that should uh, be nameless here, they're out of business anyway. So I felt that uh, I can do this on my own. And uh, we started from scratch from, uh, you know, finding a name for the, for, I mean, we, we wanted to create a brand. And uh, we started from, you know, how, how do you create a menu? We, I had no experience at all with in the, in the food services, um, other than that I love to cook. I love to entertain. And I, but I mean, that's different from opening a restaurant. So uh, I learned the hard way. 
we had absolutely, you know, almost zero experience. To give you a little story is when we finished the restaurant, uh, we were waiting for the gas company to come in and turn on the gas for us. So the, the guy came in and said, all right, can you turn on the fryer for me uh, to, to see if the gas is on? I said, well, I don't know how to turn on the fryer. He looked at me and said, you're going to open the restaurant and you don't know how to turn the fryer on. He said, well, you got 30 minutes. I'm going to my truck to eat lunch. When I come back, you better have that fryer on. So we learned how to turn the fryer on from YouTube. So it's that's oh, really? where we, we started from. You know, and then, uh, but it, it, sometimes it helps because you think outside the box. You're not uh, following the traditional way. And uh, and here we are. I mean, this is uh, from we opened in 2015. We opened another location in 2018, and we're looking to expand out in the suburbs. I mean, I, that's an amazing story. Like uh, from from just starting out, actually learning. Because one thing that most people don't do is make their sauces from scratch. And hearing that you you know from childhood would make everything, even condiments from scratch. That is unheard of um, in, in the U.S. Like, were you usually very dependent upon, like, oh, I'm out of ketchup, I'm going to go to the grocery store and, you know, buy another bottle. And, you know, hearing that you were like, we're out of ketchup, we're going to make it <laughs> from scratch is like, you know, mind-blowing. But then also hearing that, you know, you created a restaurant or, you know, brought your restaurant to fruition without having any history from from the yeah. restaurant world is is mind-boggling and it's definitely like a story that should get out there more because you know not a lot of people are up you know there are people out there that would like to open up a restaurant or you know create a food truck and I can't tell you how many people I've actually talked to that have wanted to open up some you know, a food truck or whatnot, but they don't have that information and they kind of give up. Whereas you were like, we're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. We, we, so, I made up with perseverance and, 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 and will uh, to make up for, for the, any lack of experience. But, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes along the way. There's no question about it, but uh, it was still a lot of fun. And if, if I didn't like doing it, I would probably also quit. But I love doing you were, it. It's uh, yes. Yeah, and now um, I I love all different kinds of foods because they you know you get different genres of food, you get different nutrients, you get different flavors, and the Mediterranean diet in and of itself, it, you know, is like you have your baseline, but then there's all these different you know avenues you can go down with Mediterranean diet, and all of it is so flavorful that, you know, it's it's absolutely delicious. And, you know, you obviously have a, a food base that's healthy and nutritious and, you know, it's almost like it feeds your soul and, you know, while you're eating it with all those warming flavors. So how, how did you come about choosing to open up a restaurant that is based in, you know, the Mediterranean diet outside of just your, your own history? Well, I wanted to open something that I'm a uh, little bit familiar with because, I mean, I didn't have any any experience before other than uh, cooking the food the food at home. So I didn't want to venture too far, but the idea was that I didn't want to to stick only to traditional way of 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 making the food. We wanted to include things that are that we eat here. Uh, you know, we we have. Uh, 
the buffalo tahini sauce. Usually in, in the Middle East, there's no, I mean, there was no, they don't know buffalo chicken or, or, or the buffalo sauce, but, but it tastes, we wanted to, to bring that in. In, in. in just about every recipe we do, we try to include something that people are familiar with here. Uh, yeah. So, so we, you know, because I mean, this, there's nothing wrong with having uh, different tastes from different cultures that you can you can mix together. I mean, this is what, what America is all about. It's just that we all came from somewhere else and we we kind of blend it together. So it's, uh, I mean, that's the whole idea from it. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> I also saw that you know, for anybody who's looking to be you know, vegetarian, like, because obviously this is, you know, you can eat vegetarian fr- friendly, you can eat meat, uh, but I see that you also have a vegan tahini sauce as well. Correct. And we are um, trying to look to add more vegan vegan, vegan options too. Even and we were looking to add a, uh, a, a, a tahini shake and we're looking to go the, the vegan route. So we are, you know, because we want to be, we want to be. We want you to be able to come in and 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 find something that you like and you eat and and fits your dietary restriction. And you know, and speaking of like, I I love hummus. Um, I know some people, you know, are not hummus fans, but for me, I. I could like sit down with a huge bowl of hummus and just yeah. go at it. Um, and I see that you have a couple of different options with your hummus too. Yes, we we have the the traditional hummus and we have the roasted red pepper. And we're looking to add some more flavors too, uh, because I mean the the the, the options are endless. Uh, what you what you can what you, what you can experiment and play with. Now, yeah, I, 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 I put spinach. Spinach, uh, sun-dried tomatoes—they're all wonderful flavor profiles with hummus. Yeah. I, I, yes. I like a—I also like a jalapeno, like a hot hummus, like a jalapeno hummus yeah. with like, yeah. That's always absolutely the, delicious. The it's sort of a background, like a like a canvas, and then you can you can paint whatever you want on it and add flavor to it. it it's just a, it lends to itself to to many flavors, and and that gives us the the ability to add maybe uh, chipotle hummus. We can have avocado. I mean, we can add anything to it, and it really it turns out to be good. Now, on on one of your um, quotes that you have, you had said that you believe that food should be a full sensory experience. Um, how how is it that you brought that into your own restaurant? Well, I, I like to have uh, add layers of flavors. When when even when you if you're making your uh, making our falafel, I would like to add uh, you know from from the spices that we use to the herbs that we use in it. So when you, when you bite into it. You as as you as you're tasting it, you you get more and more and more flavors, layers of flavors that you you know uh, that that you don't see some anywhere else. Uh, you have when you when you bite in your sandwich, you want to get more than one flavor, uh, and 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 that's what we you know because I'm I'm, I'm making something that I I love to eat. I mean I'm, uh, I uh, on the way home I look forward to making myself a sandwich and, and, and eating it in the car. So it's something that uh, <laughs> you know that. That we take a pride in, and I mean, with all due reason, like it, there's a lot of pride to be taken in that because you know, it biting into something where it has different layers of flavors, you know, it it brings just a warming and delight to 
you know, your experience. Um, and the fact that, you know, you're located in two, two, not one, but two locations where there's a bunch of students that surround you, um, you know, you're, you're going to be introducing a variety of people to um, a food experience that they may not have initially like come across. Um, especially with everybody graduating and, or I'm um, sorry, going like the winter, the winter breaks and the semester, you know, ending or whatever, they're probably going to get out of class and just be hungry and want to take a bite. And you, you're right there in a prime location. Yeah. And that's initially, uh, we, we thought that if we are on, on a campus that the students are, because we weren't sure how the people are going to accept the food, how they're going to achieve it. So we figured if we're on a on a campus, that's more ideal. That uh, uh, young uh, demographics, they're uh, open-minded. They will, you know, they, it, it might be easy. But we we learned as we we grew that the the food uh, works across uh, different ethnic backgrounds, uh, different age groups. It it it, it works similar to what you would say Italian food or Mexican food or Chinese food. It's uh, it's uh, it's easy uh, on on the palate that anybody would you know would taste it even they didn't know didn't know anything about it they would like it and they would come back and try it again and 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 that's what we found out through through the, you know the past five or six years and I would say that one of my favorite things to to get out of pita chip would be one of your uh, beef shawarmas. And why don't you, can you describe for our listeners what it's like, what it tastes like, the flavor profile? Because I cannot express how much I love beef shawarma. Well, it is basically, is like you're eating a slowly uh, grilled steak that has been marinated in, 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 in spices. And uh, it is layered. And 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 it, it gets uh, gets uh, roasted real slow on the spit, and and you're shaving it off. So you basically it it has the you know the spices, the the uh, the fat also in there that gives gives us a nice taste. Uh, it is uh, something unique. It's different, of course. Different different uh, 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 cuisines have different way of making it. There's the Turkish way, which is called the donor kebab. There's the gyro, the Greek, and then then we have the the uh, the authentic uh, beef shawarma, which is just layered basically steaks, layers of steaks, and, and stacked onto each other, and they have layers of fat in it, and then the steaks are marinated, and then we grill it real slow, and shave it off. And it's absolutely delicious. And now that is one of the things, like the wraps and the bowls. The, that's one of the things that you're going to be offering with your special that, to celebrate. Correct. Yeah, we are we're, uh, doing a, 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 an anniversary uh, of me being here in uh, 40 plus years. Uh, since I came in 1979, so we were uh, planning on doing a promotion this Friday uh, to offer the first 79 people free. And if people would like to, you know, willing to sleep in, uh, they they'll get uh, 79 cents all day mm. on our all of, all of our uh, falafel entrees. I mean, that's an amazing deal. That like is. you. Can't... 
<laughs> you can't get any better than that. But like, you know, and for somebody who's walking, walking down the street who hasn't experienced and they're nervous about it, you know, that's going to pull them into like the, just the price point itself. It's going to probably pull in, you know, a lot of foot traffic, but like for anybody who, who's been like, I want to try it, but I'm not sure. I mean, 79 cents, you cannot pass a deal up like that. So it's it's a great opportunity, and then they can come in and, and and try the food, and that would be a great experience. It would be a great experience. And speaking of other great experiences, um, I heard that you're going to be expanding into other areas as well. Correct. We are uh, planning on opening our third location in Yardley, Pennsylvania, uh, sometime in March. Hopefully, hopefully, if the contractors keep their word, and uh, and then we're also opening a fourth location in Upper Darby, which is oh, uh, nice. in, Mon- in Montgomery County. And I Upper Darby is a nice area too. It's a it's a suburb area, and you know, so you're going to yeah. get a bunch of families that are you know are going to be introduced to your to pita chip as, yeah. as well. Um, now, what all right, like when you do that opening, are you going to celebrate across all your locations? Yes, we are going to do a grand opening, and then we will uh, include uh, our current locations in the celebration, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, bring in, you know, have more more exciting things for for our for our customers. That'll be amazing. I mean, and and you had said that your son like. Speaking of families, you you said that your son is going to be um, joining you along this journey as well. Correct, and that is honestly one of the greatest things. I mean, one one of the most uh, fulfilling things for me is that he. Uh, I mean, he's also been around me. We we, we cooked a lot together, and then uh, and he uh, uh, went to a couple of years uh, to France with his uh, uh, fiance. She was studying a. Uh, uh, in the wine science, and they came back and said, you know, we would like to be part of this. So uh, that was really great. So he's a good kid, uh, very talented. So we're all glad to have him, too. I'm, I'm very proud of him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's kind of fun, having somebody who uh, was studying in the wine industry as well. Yeah. <laughs> do you... Um, Sometimes it doesn't work, but you, you know, uh, for the most time it does. <laughs> Sorry, that was an outlier question, but I was just like, "Hey, you said wine." Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, out of all of your your menu options, what would be something that you would recommend or one of your favorite um, meals to enjoy? My favorite meal is my childhood. But the, the, the meal that brings my you know childhood memory, which is a a falafel sandwich in a pita wrap, something that I ate when I was a kid. Uh, you know, at you know street vendors, you uh, you stand there on the sidewalk and, and and eat your sandwich, and that usually every time I make it, it brings a smile to my face. It brings a lot of memories. So, and uh, I mean that is one of my favorites: the the falafel sandwich in a pita bread. And I have to say that um, falafels, I feel like, are in art. Like, I mean, it's 
simplified because I know that it's it's chickpeas. I've never made a falafel myself, but I do know that falafels are almost like an art form because you can make them where they come out too dry, you know. But what is it that you do with your falafels that sets them above and beyond anyone else's? Well, we 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 do it from scratch. We we you know we uh, we start with dry chickpeas. We soak them overnight, and then we grind them with uh, 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 onions, uh, garlic, uh, cilantro, parsley, and and then we add spices to it, mainly uh, ground coriander and, and cumin, and we add some sumac and some cayenne pepper to it, uh, and. Uh, it's just that we you make it from scratch. It's a source of, it's. I mean, in 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 uh, in the Middle East, falafel is poor people's food. I mean, people who can't can't afford to have a meat protein, they eat vegetable protein, and that's and that's the chickpeas. So, uh, but it's it's uh, it's delicious. I mean, I, I have no other way to describe it. But if you don't fry it, unfortunately, it doesn't taste because it's, the, the falafel doesn't have any fat. I mean, it's just a just a chickpeas. So if you don't fry it, it comes out it comes out dry. So you have to yeah. fry it, and you really have to the the best way to ha- eat it is right out of the fryer. Uh, you know, it's just and that's why we make ours on demand. Oh, wow. uh, we don't have anything sitting sitting down. So we ask for 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 falafel. Is that that's when we 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 start making the falafel. Of course, at lunchtime you have to make a little bit ahead of time, but it is made on demand. So when we get an online order, that's when when we we start making it. It's not sitting sitting around because it gets dry. Now I also know, like one, I used to actually be a vet- vegetarian for ten years prior to moving back into eating meat. Which you know now I love meat, but I also have a fondness of the the vegetarian foods that I or the what I ate as a vegetarian. Um, you have one of my favorite things that I ha- I used to eat, which is tabbouleh. Yes. And, and, um, and that is, it's, it's a, tabbouleh is basically, it's a parsley salad. It's a, it's a, it's a Lebanese salad that's uh, good with drinks, you know, if you're, if it's, it's, a, it's like an appetizer. And uh, it has mostly parsley, it has mint, uh, tomatoes uh, uh, and crushed wheat, uh, and it's it's also flavorful and it's it's good with with as a condiment with the with the chicken with the beef or, and with the falafel too. It tastes very good. And it's absolutely delicious. I used to eat full ah tabbouleh all the time. Uh, now, <clears throat> ooh, sorry. Now <laughs> I know I know it's true. So I I was wondering. When I walk into your store, like, can I build up a bowl of of uh, falafel? And you know, what options do I have to build up a bowl? Basically, our option is build your own. So uh, you start with if you want to, you can have a bowl or you can have a wrap. And the bowls could be salad, rice, or just half rice, half salad. So basically, you pick your own. And and you just point at the toppings and and you know whatever you like you can so you're making your own bowl. There's no a set menu uh, that that you can whatever you like on it. Same thing you can pick your sauces. There's uh, tahini, original tahini, buffalo tahini, and we have wonderful hot sauce. We have falafel chutney, so you can basically make your own meal. Uh, you're you you know you're not bound by anything. 
And that would also on Friday be one of the options for 79 cents Absolutely. to celebrate yeah. your anniversary, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. And um, I also see you have Demaldes. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You the mean stuff, the great leaves? leaves? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is one of my favorites. It's one of your sides, um, and you offer five of them for for you know three ninety nine. Which for wow. me, like if I went if I went in in on Friday and got the seventy nine cent bowl, and I I would have the stuffed grape leaves. I'm sure I would be absolutely full. Well, would would love to have you have you there, and 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 and, and so is everybody else. And then don't forget about our pita chips because they're good, they're baked, they uh, we marinate them, then bake them. They're wonderful with the with the sauces and with the hummus. And they're fresh too. And fresh, and then also we make our desserts. We make our baklavas, and we we have an original and a Nutella baklava, and then we have also a new item, chocolate chip tahini cookie, which is a chocolate chip cookie with tahini and mm. sesame seeds on, on, on top. Which is, you know, going to be absolutely delicious. I'm sure the sesame seed um, is going to add a different, you know, level yeah. of flavor to it. Make it, like, I, I not that I want to overuse the word warm, but almost like a warmer cookie, like, you know, um, like a succulent cookie. They do add a wonderful taste to the cookie. It's really unusual. Now, for anybody who is looking to find one of your locations online um, or find you on social media, where can they find you? Well, they can find us on our website is uh, www.pitachipphilly.com, and they can find us on Instagram. Uh, and uh, also, they can Google our locations. One is on 1600 uh, Broad Street, and the University City location is on 36, uh, 3601 Market Street. It's on 36 and Market Street. And I believe your um, Instagram is Pita Chip Philly. Correct. Okay. So I look forward to that and I look forward to celebrating your anniversary. Um, I know that, you know, <laughs> I, not that I want to date myself, but I was born in 79. So I, uh, I know you are, have been here for 42 years. <laughs> Our listeners are like, she's how old? <laughs> I graduated high school the day you, I graduated high school the year you were born. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> well, I'll be well, there. I'll be there. I love that idea. I love the fact that you're making falafel fresh. I love that because I've had a bad, of, a lot of bad falafel. <laughs> yes, yes. So. A, lot, a lot of people who try falafel here are they? They've never had it fresh because they either either from from a food cart or it's made. Uh, a couple of days before and uh, heated in the microwave. No, we make it all fresh. Yeah, you'll all definitely fresh. see me because I've had a lot of bad falafel and I love falafel. Uh, thank, very good. Thank you, Omar. Thank you. Thank you, Omar, for joining us, right. and I look forward to uh, to your falafels. Very good. We'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you, Omar. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, let's take a break, and we'll be right back.
To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, and to the millions of Facebook users worldwide with access to the Facebook mobile app. Send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadime at yahoo.com. And we're back. Chef Gene, introduce us to your fabulous guest. Well, this being the season of celebrations and engagements, and as people begin to plan the next phase of their life, I'm honored to introduce the director of one of my favorite venues in the entire country. If you're looking for a venue that is quaint, unique, historic and just absolutely fabulous and has so many options. The Dubertai House in Valley Forge and Kate Fry, their director, are the people to go and see. Kate, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Well, thanks, Gene. Great to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's so Exciting. great to be here. Kate, you have this incredibly historic venue I mean, dating back to 1740 when the, when the house was first built. Tell us a little bit about Dupertai, a little bit about the history, and, and why you think Dupertai stands out among all the other venues in the region. Okay, wonderful. I'd love to. Um, so Dupertai House, it, it gets its name from General Dupertai, who, um, when Ben Franklin went over to France to negotiate with King Louis, um, about the French getting involved in, you know, our, our war against Britain. Um, we apparently didn't have field engineers. So he and King Louis secretly sent Dubertai and a few other field engineers over to the Americas. And then Dubertai, this is where, you're right, the 1740 farmhouse that was built by a Welsh Quaker um, is where he resided during the, the encampment from 1777-78. And, um, you really don't hear much about him, but he was really quite important to us. He uh, was chief engineer under Washington. He designed the um, defenses at Valley Forge. Um, and um, he, well, he designed the defenses. And he also then, after the encampment of Valley Forge, which Dupertai, the property, was part of the encampment. But um, after leaving Valley Forge, he was actually captured. Um, as a prisoner, we negotiated his release, and then he was really important um, in Yorktown as well. Um, so, and he is um, started actually the Army Corps of Engineers um, in the United States as well. So, he's Brigadier General um, Louis Dupertai. Um, so, one of, and then go ahead. So, one of the great stories about Dupertai House that I, I really love is. You know, the Lawrence McCormick connection. So Lawrence McCormick, for those of our listeners who don't know necessarily hospitality history, Lawrence McCormick was the general manager, the first general manager at the Bellevue Stratford Hotel in Philadelphia. And he bought um, Dupertai House in around 1903. He bought it as his residence. And it actually later on uh, became one of the sources they called it Crestbrook Farm because the beautiful streams that run through Dupertai's property 
created an abundance of watercress that was used back then in the kitchens at Bellevue Stratford. But during renovations of the Dubertai house, he discovered the original blueprints to Valley Forge, the encampment of Valley Forge, and the original designs and maps of all those encampments. What a great thing to just find in your, you know, in your attic. I go up, I find dust and maybe a nickel, but you know, I never find anything like that in mine. So it's just an absolute great story. Has there been anything else, you know, as they do work at Dubertai that you know that they've come across and found and, you know, um, really just unique and different? Um, that's a good question. I know they've found, you know, they have found um, horseshoes and different coins and, and things, but I honestly, I don't, I mean, those are the, that's one of the most important things that they found. And, you know, they've been down in Philadelphia since 1908 at the uh, Historic Society. And do you, they also were used, I think it's really neat that those plans were used to develop the park as it is today. So um, that's really um, an interesting thing that they, they found there. But um, and, and the, and the tie to the Bellevue Stratford is just really a cool thing, you know, in that well, aspect. Absolutely. Us so, so. being in hospitality, it's like it's a, an amazing thing. Um, I mean, do you want me to? T- I mean, there's also the connection to Penn, which I think is a yes, yes, please. Um, another. Um, so in 1926, Henry Woolman um, purchased the property, and he was a Penn alum. And uh, lived at the property for you know a number of years, but then in 1939, donated it to the University of Pennsylvania. And um, in my office, there are plans for a suburban undergrad um, campus to be on, you know located on the farm. And um, but then, of course, World War II happened, and it never happened. <laughs> um, so um, it was. Um, so that it never happened, but obviously then they kept they kept it for a number of years and in seventy five sold it with two other farms to Funk the Fox Companies who developed Chesterbrook as it is today. And then Fox the Fox Companies um kind of renovated some of the buildings and then conveyed the three acres of the farm that we have and the buildings over to a non profit in nineteen eighty five and ever since it's been run by those volunteers. I mean obviously different volunteers <laughs> in different boards but they have run and maintained the property ever since. And obviously one of the main ways that we, um, you know, bring in revenue is through doing events. So, um, and that's really key. Uh, you so, have and a there's both, one other, go ahead. I'm sorry. You have both indoor and outdoor venue options there. Tell us a little bit about yeah. the capacity, both inside and outside and, you know, what, what's available for somebody who wants to rent the venue, which I think is, if you're planning a wedding, one of the most wonderful wedding sites, just romantic, you know, beautiful areas for photos, just fabulous sites. So tell us a little bit about, you know, capacities and, and, you know, where you can have events there at the house. Okay, great. So, I mean, we can do anything from, you know, we've had meetings for 10 to weddings for up to 160. Um, I mean, you're, you're correct. I mean, one of the, I think the most unique things about Supertai is its flexibility um, with the indoor and outdoor. Um, I mean, if you're doing indoor and having dancing, really about one, I mean, you can utilize our tented patio as well, but like 120, but we have done more than that because they utilize our, our patio as well. 
we can put a, a tent, a 40 by 60 outside that holds 160 guests, up to 160, because that is our max. We just, we've just kind of capped it off because of the historic nature of the house, just the wear and tear. Um, and, you know, we have three rooms in the house. We have a wedding suite upstairs. Um, but I mean, the one thing is that, I mean, almost every wedding is a little bit different just because you have the options of utilizing the rooms differently. And that the, again, the tent to patio. And then the other part of the history is the federal barn, farmhouse and the barn are both on the national register, historic register. Um, our barn is the only known signed bank barn in the state of Pennsylvania, meaning it was signed by its builder. And, um, and it's a beautiful barn and really excited that the Amish, we had an Amish company come in in 2012 and renovate it. So it is also available for cocktail hour. And then, you know, we have different spots, as you said, beautiful spots around behind the barn, you know, on, on the front porch in front of these three trees to have outdoor ceremonies. But the barn really has been wonderful to have as, a, as an option, a B option. If you, I mean, uh, some clients use it as their A option. They want to get married in the barn, but it's wonderful to have if the weather doesn't cooperate and have your ceremony um, in the barn. So, and we have done, you know, we have done weddings. We can accommodate um, our biggest numbers in the barn as well, just for ceremony or cocktails, not reception. So. Okay. Are you an open caterer list? Do you have a list of caterers, uh, you know, for somebody coming in and wanting to book a wedding there? Uh, how do they yeah. work with the catering option? Okay. Well, that's one thing I think makes us very unique is that we, we have a wonderful long list of caterers to work with and wide price ranges, different styles. Um, so you can choose one of our caterers, preferred caterers on the list. But we also do allow you to bring in, you know, some, some couples of food trucks. We've had food trucks. Um, others because of their ethnicity, you know, Haitian, Indian, Nigerian. I mean, we've had different food, you know, they can bring in another caterer. There is a small fee, but you can bring in your own caterer as well at Dubertai. So, um, you know, and again, they're, you know, the caterers on our list are mostly, they're full service. Um, they do everything from everything except maybe the decor, except a few of them will do that decor. And you bring, bring your own liquor, um, alcohol. If you're having a bar, you can purchase your own alcohol, and then that is served by the caterer or a bartending service. So, um, you know, and, and we have um, wonderful relationships with some um, staffing companies, too, if you choose to do your own. I mean, we love to support our caterers, but we also feel that we're, you know, we're not-for-profit and for the community. I mean, it's nice to be able to offer our clients to, you know, bring in their, their food um, if they wish. So, Kate, for all the couples that are going to be getting engaged this holiday season, as always happens every holiday season, between Christmas and New Year's, and you know, even leading into Valentine's Day, how do people find out more about Dubertai? How do they contact you? Where can they go on social media, look at pictures, so on and so forth? Um, well, we definitely we have a face. Well, they can go to our website, DubertaiHouse.com. And then we are on Facebook, um, you know, Duper Tie House. And then we have an Instagram page. And then, I mean, obviously, so on Instagram, there's lots of photos that have been posted by our couples as well. If you look it up, um, Duper Tie House. And then um, you know, our, our phone number. I mean, would you like, I mean, our, our, our email, and that goes directly to me, Kate. It's info at Duper Tie House. 
and the phone number is 610-644-4840 is the phone number, and uh, and I can respond to that directly. Can I, can I mention one other thing that I think is kind of cool sure. that we're doing this year? <laughs> um, I'm really excited because we definitely have a, a few corporate events, um, which is during the week, but but um, Full Kramer Photographers has come in and totally decorated Dupertai and um, brought their old city Santa to, to Dupertai and are doing family photo sessions at the house during the weekends, um, many of the weekends this holiday season. So that's kind of been a partnership, a new partnership, and uh, very exciting for the, for the house as and well. And Phil is so, an amazing photographer, so I'm sure yeah. that everybody yeah. coming to get their pictures done is going to be so pleased. Yeah. One of the best yeah. photographers out there in the industry. I can't say enough good stuff about yeah. Phil and, and his work. Yeah. So one other thing before we... We'll let you go for the evening, Kate. In in just yep. a minute or two, tell us about your favorite event that has that you've done at Dubertai House. My favorite event. Because I'm going to oh tell God. you what mine is. <laughs> you know what mine is already. <laughs> you know what yours is. Uh, yes, mine would vagina. be mine would be women and weddings holiday parties. I knew you were going to say that. And I, those photos still pop up sometimes, and I love that. But um. I love it. Um, oh my gosh, that's so hard. How do I do that? With, I've been there for twelve years. I've probably done. I, I mean, I definitely have my. Um, I mean, I think. I mean, I think my favorite is some of the that they the, the couples just put so much of themselves in these the events. Those are my my favorites. If that makes sense, I don't know them. You know, and their family and their. I just they're just. I don't know how to explain it, but um, I don't have a single one. I'm sorry. But women in weddings was amazing. Um, I like the men. Didn't we do men? Men in events, too? I, I don't. Didn't I, I, yeah. Listen, I, I ran women in weddings. I, I can't get involved. I know you did. Like, <laughs> like that, nothing personal. But, but given, the, given the choice between being one of three men in a room full of women or being in a room full of men, you know where I'm going. Okay? So. Yes. Uh, and it was a great event. It was amazing. And I thank you. I mean, that was amazing to have all those uh, women at Dupertai early on in my career at Dupertai, although I've known the house for way too long. No, sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> give away for my anybody <laughs> reaching it or anybody thinking about planning an event, looking for a really unique venue in the King of Prussia Valley Forge area uh, who gets engaged this holiday season and here's this podcast. I strongly suggest you to take a look at the Dubertai House, uh, technically listed as Chesterbrook. It's right at the edge of the park there. Um, number is 610-644-4840. Give Kate a call. Tell her Food Farms and Chess referred to. And uh, Kate, we thank you. We look forward to talking with you again in the spring as everything pops up. And thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chats. Gene, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. All right. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S at gmail.com. Chef Gene, introduce us to your fabulous guest. Well, what a great honor it is to introduce 
the owner of Beck's Cajun Cafe, the home of the train wreck, which, in my opinion, is the best sandwich in the city of Philadelphia, as well as just amazing Cajun Creole New Orleans flair food. Bill, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you, and uh, thank you very much, and thank you for that um, n- those nice comments. Well, you know, I'm an eater. I, I love to eat, and, you know, when you go into the terminal, there's so many different options mm-hmm. for all kinds of things, but every time I go there, you can usually find me coming by, and whether it's getting a cup of your gumbo or jambalaya or getting, you know, a train wreck or you know, another great thing to do is just the best beignets in the city of Philadelphia and maybe the best beignets north of New Orleans. There you go. Um, I get them. I give them to friends later on that day or, you know, within the hour and the smiles received. But Billy, this isn't your naturally, like you didn't come up from New Orleans. You're not, you know, this this wasn't there. How did you get involved in doing Cajun Queen? When you were in the catering world, so it was a little mm-hmm. different. But how did what was well, the inspiration? As a young chef, you know, uh, in the uh, mid '80s, Paul Perdone was uh, all the rage, Justin Wilson, and I just got the bug. I was learning classic French, you know, working around frog commissary uh, restaurants, and um, I just kept coming back to it every couple years coming back to it. I did the first Jambalaya Jam and River Blues Festival down on Penn's Landing with uh, Frog Commissary Catering. And I was hooked. A couple years later, I was doing it on my own. I'd opened uh, a gourmet shop and a catering business, but I always featured Cajun Creole. Um, And I'd always go down there. I love Dixieland jazz. I love the architecture. I even love the smell of Bourbon Street at 6 a.m. in the morning. And that's, that's well, that a is distinctive smell. <laughs> it, it is. But the, the but, food is just off the hook. Incredible. You know, it's alchemaic. You take flour and butter and you make a dark roux, and it just gives such a great base flavor to your gumbos. And po'boys are so diverse. They've got a Creole mayo, lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, and then you've got whatever protein. But you've got spice you've got crunch you've got texture i mean it's it's just incredible it's it's my favorite cuisine and at this point i've eaten all over the world eaten all kinds of food and you know i'm in reading terminal market you've got so much food there and you know, i just keep coming back to it and love it more every day you know you talk about the layers of flavor and the mix of textures and crunch and everything that goes on in the food and it's Mm -hmm. absolutely true you do that you are a uber talented chef but the difficulty is sometimes you know taking that and giving those skills and that knowledge to the people under you and i mean i stop into your place often and you know very rarely do i see you but i always get consistently great food how do you get you know people on a regular basis to just, you know, produce that same spirited food and style food that you do mm-hmm. so well. That's a, that's a, a really difficult task. It, and that I, is, you know, 
the biggest challenge for us and, and any restaurant for that matter, though harder for smaller places like myself. You've got to convey as a chef the passion, the desire, the goal that every bite has to mean something. There's no filler in there. There's no, not a bite or a taste that doesn't make a difference. So when we make a po' boy, and this is probably a trade secret at this point, but I'm going to throw it out there. When you put the Creole mayo on, you put it on diagonally, and you start at one end. It's in a squeeze bottle, and you go to the other end. And then once it's all there, you, you press the uh, both sides of the bread together, and then it's all through it. And then you put your lettuce down, and you make sure it's all through it. Then your um, tomato, and they've got to be shingled on top of one another, about a quarter inch. And then you put three slices of pickle. And then you're going to put either your fried shrimp, your oysters, your blackened chicken. But it has to be divided equally and go from end to end so that every bite tastes the same. And we follow that rule kind of with everything that it's all got to be consistent from the first bite to the last in terms of texture, flavor, liquid versus solids or, or crunch versus you know something soft. And you just impart this philosophy, food philosophy of consistency with everyone. And we, we talk about this with the front of the house too, how to describe the food, what's in the food. They taste everything. They are as engaged with the whole process as the cooks are and sometimes the front of the house helps us do prep too so that's it in a nutshell that's the short version well <laughs> you know and you're, you're absolutely right with the front of the house you know, you have a number of seats in the counter there you have some seating available for people your service staff is impeccable for being in reading terminal market where you could see, you know, a difficult tourist trade at times. You could see big conventions flooding them all at once. You see so many different things. I have never run across, and, and this strikes me as just, you know, something that stands out. You know, one of your staff not being, you know, even remotely in a, you know, difficult mood or whatever. They've always been so polite, so helpful. You know, if, if they see me standing there, you know, they're, they're going out of their way to, you know, how can I help you? You know, they, they double check the food. They do everything. You know, they, they, they work as a team. So kudos on that as well. Thank you. Yeah. They are great people. They're great people. And a lot of them have been with me six years, 12 years. I mean, we've been in the Reading Terminal Market 12 years, and we still have some of our opening staff. So that's you know that says a lot, and they're great people. They work very hard and are very talented. Well, I want to pop in and, and just say your your staff. I mean, they are wonderful. Um, and I had spoken to one of them and talked about how I love get um eating alligator. I've not had that in a very long time. And one of them mm -hmm. directed me to the fact that you actually have that on your menu. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's one of our most popular items, alligator gumbo and uh, alligator sausage po' boy and alligator on a stick. And, and these oh, are I not the alligators for the New York sewers either. These are you know, <laughs> southern alligators. Exactly, yes. These are the ones that you'll find on the golf course every now and then. They've got to do something with them. 
No, I'm just, I, I, they're farm raised. Let me backtrack on that. And they're delicious. <laughs> yes, they are. They're very tasty. So, Bill, I, I teased our listeners a little bit when I threw out that my favorite sandwich in the city of Philadelphia. And, you know, I, John Bucci, I respect you. Moon and the stars, you know, for your cheesesteaks and your roast pork. But I'm going to give it to, you know, in my humble opinion, to the train wreck here. Describe the train wreck to our listeners so that they could live vicariously what I enjoy as often as possible. Okay. Well, what I like to say is a train wreck is what a cheesesteak wants to be when it grows up. (laughs) Not that I'm contentious or a little challenging to the uh, Philadelphia cheesesteak, but um, what the train wreck has that the cheesesteak doesn't have uh, is in addition to the the steak meat, it has andouille sausage, uh, salami, caramelized onion, American cheese on a French baguette with Creole mayo. So it's just got a lot going on there. It's got smoky, it's got salty, it's got meaty, it's got creamy. Uh, It's just got a lot going on there on a a French baguette that's just outstanding. So um, that's it in a nutshell. It, It really is one of the more unique sandwiches and, and you did describe it. It's just everything for the palate, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the salami, everything that goes into that is just a truly, truly magnificent sandwich. What are your, so your beignets, mm-hmm. I, I cannot come to Ready Terminal Market without walking away with, you know, an order of your beignets and or giving them to somebody nearby. You know, that's what great. That's what I love to do. You know, why, why, uh, like a lot of people make beignets. What, what are you doing that just, you know, stand out? Well, we make them a couple times a day. It's a yeast driven product, um, and it takes a lot to do them. You mix it with your, uh, milk, your, your butter, your yeast. You've got to, you know, bloom your yeast at the right, uh, temperature. You've got to roll it out on a cool surface, and you have to work quickly with it. Um, you know, we've been very lucky. It was originally a Cafe Du Monde recipe, uh, but we had to change it for some reason. And it's really a Zen-like process where you're mixing it by hand, which I think is one of the key things. You can't do it by a mixer, even with a dough hook. It just activates the gluten too much. So, you know, you're working with your hand. You're becoming one with the product. And you know, that, that's just it. Uh, everybody that makes it, I mean, there are actually only a couple people because you just have to get into it and realize from a textural point of view what it feels like when it's there, when it has enough oil in it, when the water's enough, when the yeast has risen and you put it in the fridge for a, a while and then you bring it out for the second rise. So it's just a very zen-like process. And we do it a couple times a day. When we first opened, we actually only did it two or three times a week. But that became so problematic and people were so upset that didn't know and came in for it and then we didn't have it. So about three years ago, we just put it on the menu all the time. So it's just love, time, and attention to detail. Well, the three things that really matter in making superior food. So people coming into the terminal, where do they find Vex Station Cafe and how can they find more information about 
you know, Bex, about you and about your catering company and anybody who's really interested in throwing in a new party or having some really special food around the holidays when you're doing some shopping, how can our listeners find out more? Uh, go to our website, BexCajunCafe.com. Um, that's the best way. Then you can see the catering. You can see our menu. But if you're in Center City and uh, you're at the market, we are in the middle towards the back. Um, any door you come into the Reading Terminal, uh, there's a directional that lists all the businesses in there. And, uh, you know, there are a few new ones, too. So there's always something new and exciting at Reading Terminal, too. So um, we're always there. We're open at 8 to 6 daily. And, um, yeah, come on in and see us. We'll have the uh, gumbo hot and uh, ready and waiting for you. I look forward What's to the- having that gumbo. Mm-hmm. Cool. The, uh, gator gumbo is one of my favorites. I mean, I generally have that every day at some point. So, um, yeah, that and the uh, the po' boy. Definitely <laughs> <again>. <laughs> well, thank you for, for joining us on the show. You are welcome. Thank Bill, you for inviting me. This is a lot of fun. Bill, thank you so much. No, you're Bill, welcome. I look forward to seeing you soon. And okay, uh, hopefully yeah, let I'll me know when you're coming in. I will I'm do that. pretty much always there. Right. Uh, I could be doing dishes. I could be putting the order away. I could be cooking. You never know what I'm doing. And Bex is one of the best places in the whole city. So, Reading Terminal Market. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. You're welcome. PhillyRestaurantReviews.com for all the information about the show. Amherst Pollock. You can find me on social media at ARPollockus, or you can email me directly at ARPollockus at gmail.com. Chef Gene. You can find me across social media at IBFoodie2 or Gene Blum, or you can email me directly at IBFOODIE, the number two, at yahoo.com. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Have a great week. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.